Well, all summer we've been going through a sermon series called Voices from the Church. We've invited different guest speakers, uh, either from within us as a church or connected to us, and uh, to come and give a message of uh, what something that God's been stirring in their heart, uh, either recently or over the years. And so this morning we have Sabrina Weens. Sabrina, you can come on up uh, with us to speak. Uh, Sabrina, I'm going to read your official bio, and then I'm going to say a few extra words, okay? So Sabrina is a credentialed pastor with the Ontario Conference Mennonite Brethren churches and has been in pastoral ministry here in the Niagara region for the past 11 years. Having recently stepped out of professional pastoral ministry, she is excited to see where God will lead in this next season of life. She's currently enjoying working with her brother and dad in the family business and has been thankful for the warm welcome she has received here at Cornerstone Community Church. Uh, Sabrina uh, and I got to lead youth together, um, her at Scott Street uh, and me here at Cornerstone uh, started 10 years ago, approximately, and so I remember uh, us walking down the streets of Montreal on a youth missions trip, carrying bags and bags of groceries, um, and so it was lots of fond memories and feel, feeling the burn from that, um, so lots of fond memories. Sabrina has faithfully uh, served uh, as a pastor at Scott Street Church, and I know she's had a huge, huge impact on many, many people there at that church, so we're grateful to have her here this morning and to hear from her, so let me pray for you, Sabrina. So, Father, thank you so much for Sabrina and for the way that you've used her and the way that you've worked in her life. And, God, I know it's so clear to me the fruit of the Spirit in her life and the way that uh, you've used her uh, to bring uh, your, your presence and your love to so many, uh, so many people. And so thank you for, for her. We pray that you'd give her uh, just a sense of your, your presence as she speaks. Would you give her a peace? As she speaks, would you give her just a clarity to, um, to, to share what you've, you've put on her heart and to, uh, even a sensitive sensitivity to respond to you as you're prompting her this morning. So would you use her? Would you um, help us to hear from you uh, through her words this morning? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jim. Good morning, church. It is so good to be together this morning. And... Um, I have gotten to know many of you over these past few months that I've been worshiping with you. If I haven't gotten to know you yet, then I look forward to getting to know you. Um, This morning, so I actually have a lot of biological family in this church, and many of them are not here this morning, but they assure me that they're watching via the live stream. So, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. (laughs) Um, They are very proud of me that I am um, speaking here this morning and invited everyone that they could think of to come this morning. Um, So I feel like it's appropriate to give them a little shout out today. Um, Today we're going to be talking about wisdom, and I definitely do not claim um, to have a great handle on this yet. I turned 40 this week, and um, you would think that with age comes wisdom, and I like to think that maybe that's happened, but I still have a ways to go. I'm not sure about you, but... When I was a child, I thought that adults knew everything, children who are here. Is that maybe something you think? Um, When I had a problem, I would go to my parents who always seemed to know exactly what to say or do. And there wasn't a problem too big for them to solve. I'm sure that I'm not the only one who assumed that when I grew up, I'd somehow obtain this ability to know exactly what needs to happen in all areas of life and that I'd have everything under control in any given situation. But at some point, you look around and you realize that you are an adult now, and 
you do not necessarily have this all under control. We're all just doing our best to deal with every new thing as it comes along. Um, there's a meme, an image that I see circulating on the internet every um, a few times a year that captures this sentiment so well. It says, that horrifying moment when you're looking for an adult and then you realize that you are an adult. So you look for an older adult, someone successfully adulting, an adultier adult. Um, the laughter lets me know that maybe I'm not alone in relating to this sentiment. Um, who here has been on a canoe trip? I know, Doug, I just asked you about a canoe trip you were on earlier this summer. Who here has been on a canoe trip before? Yeah, quite a lot of hands. That's good. Um, I absolutely love being out on some island in the middle of nowhere, having gotten there through my own physical strength, cooking over a fire, sleeping under the stars, enjoying God's beautiful creation. Um, seriously, I love it. And when I, w I was a youth pastor for eight years, like Jeff mentioned, and during that time I took the teenage trips. And during one of these trips, we were all sitting around a fire one afternoon when one of the teens said something about there being a bear, which I assumed was some sort of weird joke that wasn't funny. He was a bit notorious for making weird jokes. Um, but then I looked over at the bushes, and no joke, from like me to that chair away, a bear was emerging from the bushes. Um, and immediately everyone crammed behind me, leaving me and the bear. And I remember thinking, what? why am I the one who has to deal with this? It's a bear. What am I supposed to do? Um, and thankfully, all of you parents know that youth leaders are pretty good at what they do. So it didn't take me too long before I got out a bear horn and successfully scared the bear off of the island. But that moment of being in a precarious situation and realizing that I am the adult here, I'm the one who has to figure out what to do, definitely stands out to me. The truth is, there's no magical handbook for how to be a successful adult. We're all just doing our best to make good decisions and deal with things as they come along. Researchers from Cornell University found that adults make an estimated average of 226.7 decisions just on food alone per day. So what we're going to cook, what groceries we'll buy, how we're going to cook them, what time we'll eat, I don't know, 226.7 decisions. Um, and that the average adult makes 35,000 remotely conscious decisions a day. Think about that. That is a huge number. 35,000 decisions a day. Do you believe that? Is that even possible? Just like that, you've made another decision. So from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we are making decisions. Will I get out of bed or will I press news? What will I wear today? What will I eat for breakfast? Every decision we make, whether big or small, has consequences, either good or bad. Obviously, some decisions have a greater impact on us than others. How do I respond to that hurtful thing my husband or wife did the other day? Do I even still want to be in this marriage? How do I help my child who's struggling? How can I bring peace to the conflict and dysfunction in my family? 
How do I deal with that bill I can't pay and the 10 more that are just around the corner? How do I handle that stressful situation at work? There are definitely times, aren't there, when it would be a comfort to just find an adult and let them solve all of our problems. But then we look around and realize that we are the adult. And it's our responsibility to figure this out. Anyone here feel like maybe they could use some wisdom this morning? Well, I've got some good news. There may not be a more adulty adult for us to turn to, but Scripture does have a lot to say to us about wisdom, what it is, who can give it to us, and how we can get it. Um, We're going to be reading from James 1 this morning, if you want to turn there in your Bible. So James 1, verses 5 to 8, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James tells us that if we lack wisdom, if we need it, we should ask. As much as we joke about not wanting to adult or wish that someone else could make our hard choices for us, the truth is that we're not great at asking for help. Everything about our culture tells us that we need to have our lives figured out. And if we don't, then we at least need to put on a happy face and pretend like we do. Our culture values self-sufficiency, and we take pride in being self-made people. On top of which, we are so quick to judge weakness and love to gossip about the failures and mistakes of others. All of this, the cultural expectations, our fears of others judging us, and our own human pride are all barriers for us asking for help. Asking for help feels vulnerable. It involves admitting that we don't have it all together. And an underlying fear is that we will be rejected, that the one we ask for help from will say no. But James tells us that if we lack wisdom, then the first step is to ask. We need to adopt that humble posture, admit our need for wisdom, and ask. And who is it that we are to ask? In a world saturated with self-help books and podcasts and mantras and steps that all promise to make you a better you, who do we look to for wisdom? James tells us that if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And who better to ask than God? Ed described God beautifully for us just last week. God is the creator of life itself who always was and always will be. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who created the universe and everything in it. God laid the Earth's foundation and marked off their dimensions. He gives order to the morning and shows dawn its place. He's before all things and through whom all things hold together. We see our small piece of the puzzle of life and humanity 
But God sees the entire big picture from every side and angle, from every time, past, present, and future. And maybe you're thinking, well, if God really is all of that, then who are we that God would even be mindful of us? And yet this great God delights in being known by his creation, in being present and active in this world and in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to know you and be known by you? That he's not a faraway and distant, unknowable God, but that he's right here, right now, above and below you, before and behind you, that if you give your life to him, his very spirit will live inside of you. Maybe you're really not sure if you believe in this all-knowing, all-powerful God. And you know what? That's okay. God is bigger than our doubts and our uncertainties. And if you're willing to step out in faith and ask him, he will meet you there. In fact, he's been waiting for you to do exactly that. And maybe there are some here this morning who think, okay, Sabrina, but I mean, I'm not good enough for God to answer me. Maybe he'll talk to the others here or he'll talk to you because you're a good person, but I have not lived in such a way that would warrant the favor or the attention of the God that you just described. Well, what does James tell us here? Are there any prerequisites, any requirements that need to be filled in order to gain God's wisdom? James tells us that if we lack wisdom, we are to ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Who does he give generously to? He gives generously to all. To everyone who turns to him and asks. And how does he answer us? Does he answer us begrudgingly by first shaming us for the attempts we made before asking him? No, James tells us that he gives generously to all without finding fault. So many of the stories that Jesus told and the interactions he had with people highlight this point for us. Jesus didn't just go to the perfect people who, according to religious practice at the time, had it all together. He went to those who had been rejected and cast aside, the ones who knew they couldn't do it on their own and knew that they needed him. He told stories that show God's heart for all people, Jesus described God as an old woman searching desperately for a coin she had lost, as a shepherd leaving his entire flock to find the one sheep who had wandered away, as a father running in his excitement to welcome his prodigal son home, clothing him in the best robes and throwing a grand party when his son finally returned. God said to his people, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. A good and wise friend recently shared with me a quote from Henry Henry Nouwen, um, in which he reflects on this misconception that God is far away and hiding from us. Nouwen says, Now I wonder whether I have sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. The 
question is not how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by him? And finally, the question is not how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by him? I no longer think of God as hiding out and making it as difficult as possible for me to find him, but instead as the one who is looking for me while I am doing all of the hiding. God's word for us is and always has been that when we call on him and come and pray to him, he hears us. When we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him and we'll discover that he's been waiting there for us this entire time. So again, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So again, this question is, do you believe this? Do you believe that God is real and active and alive right here, right now? Do you believe that he wants to work in your life? That if you that if you look to him, even now, if you ask him for help, he will answer you? Or have you been relying on your own wisdom, not really believing that God wants to be present in every part of your life, your marriage, your family, your health, your finances, your work? There's a phrase, practical or functional atheism. Functioning in life as though there were no God. Well, it's likely that there aren't too many here this morning who would consider themselves to be an atheist, declaring there is no God. Does your life, your everyday actions, um, and the way you live reflect your belief in the interactive and living God in whom you've put your trust? Or do you declare that Jesus is Lord with your mouth while living as though he doesn't exist, singing praise to God on Sundays, Maybe even reading scripture in the morning and praying before meals, knowing in your heart, mind, and soul that God exists, but living the rest of your day as though he were absent. Maybe you even say a quick prayer, God help me, when you're in a tough spot, but then you move forward without a second thought to God's thoughts on the situation you're facing. Um, In his book, Let Your Life Speak, Parker Palmer writes this about functional atheism. He says, It's the belief that the ultimate responsibility for everything rests with us. This is the unconscious, unexamined conviction that if anything decent is going to happen here, we are the ones who must make it happen. A conviction held even by people who talk a good game about God. This is the self-sufficiency that our world values so highly and has convinced us is necessary anything decent is going to happen here, I'm going to have to put on my thinking cap, roll up my sleeves, and make it happen. And even now as I'm saying this, I'm sure there are many here who think, uh, yeah, that's the way things get done. I admire the woman or the man who, who does what it takes to make things happen. And trust me, as the daughter of immigrants brought up working hard on the family farm, I know what it means to work hard But this isn't about working hard or not working hard. It's about recognizing God's presence in every moment and tuning our ears to hear his voice, allowing our our eyes to see situations, people, and the world through his eyes, 
and training our hearts to beat in time with his. And through this, gaining the wisdom that only God can give to us, not just for the big catastrophic things we go through, which there are many here today who have dealt with really hard things this week, Um, but God's wisdom isn't just for those times. He walks through those with us, but it's, it's for those times, it's for the clearly spiritual parts of our lives, and it's also for all the little moments and gaining the wisdom in every moment and every decision that we make. God is alive and present in this world, constantly speaking to his children, to us. But all too often we miss him because we haven't learned to stop and recognize his presence and hear his voice. And there aren't really any formulas or plans to follow in order to hear God. God's not some magic genie that if we rub his lamp in just the right ways that he'll grant us a wish. God is a living being who created you in his image to be in relationship with him. This is something that Pastor Herm spoke about just a few weeks ago, spending so much time with God that he becomes your best friend to learn to seek God's wisdom and learn to hear his voice, we need to start by simply taking the time to get to know him, reading scripture and praying. And so for the young ones here, maybe that looks like joining a Bible quiz program, Um, learning scripture, reading it, getting to know it. Yeah, reading scripture and praying, but remembering that this isn't just an idea or a concept or a religious practice a list of rules that you're that you're getting to know, but it's a living God who wants to be with you and be known by you, who's waiting for you to humble yourself, turn to him, and ask him for wisdom, which he will generously give. This is one of the things that I've really been learning and recognizing in this past season of my own life, that although God loves all the things I do for him in faithfulness to him, He also wants me to just take the time to come and be with him, to hear his voice and allow his words of truth and love and healing to transform me. And like the Shulamite woman in Song of Songs, I will search for the one my heart longs for, for Jesus. And when I find him, I hold on and I do not let go. So what does this look like, to know God in a way that allows you to give every part of your life over to him and allow him to be your wisdom and your guide? First, we have to recognize that God actually wants to speak to us and be present in life with us. He wants to speak to you and make himself known to you. We have to open scripture regularly. It's in the pages of scripture that we read the story of God interacting with his creation and his people. Through scripture, we learn the old, old story that we're still part of today. We learn about who God is, his character, the things that bring him joy, and the things that break his heart. And we allow these things to shape our own character and decisions and life. We need to come to God's word, the Bible, with an open heart, asking him to show us more of himself to show you his heart, asking him to speak to you and change you. To truly get to know God and hear from him, we have to pray, not just quickly before meals and bedtime, not just listing off our requests, 
but taking the time to sit in silence, asking God to speak to you and teach you how to hear his voice, remembering that God wants to speak to you. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And we have to learn to practice the presence of God, to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit, active and alive in you and through you, in the big moments of your day, but also the small, mundane moments. As you go through your day, take moments to stop and pay attention to what God is doing in you and around you. Work to develop an awareness of God, God's presence in every part of your day, in every conversation, in interaction. You say, God, show me where you are here. Show me what your thoughts are on this. What do you have to say? How do you want me to respond? And what is your will? The phrase, practicing the presence of God, was coined by 17th century monk, Brother Lawrence, who worked in the monastery kitchens. Busy cooking and cleaning from the break of day till um, nightfall, he somehow found a way to quiet his soul in every part of his busy and active day, walking in step with the Spirit through all of it. Brother Lawrence wrote this about practicing God's presence. He said, We need only to recognize God intimately present with us, to address ourselves to him in every moment, that we may beg his assistance for knowing his will in things doubtful, and for rightly performing those which we plainly see he requires of us, offering them to him before we do them and giving him thanks when we have done. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If this is something that you're looking for, if you think of your life and you recognize, yeah, you know what, I don't have this all under control. I really do need God to help me. I need him to help me with my marriage, with my kids, with my job. I need help. Or if you're sitting here and you're feeling like, you know what, I'm actually doing all right in life. You've got things pretty much under control, but maybe you recognize that you have been doing it in your own strength and you're ready to give that over to God. Or if you've been tracking right along with me and you're already well down this path of seeking God and finding him, learning to hear his voice and follow it, wherever you're at, I invite you right here and right now to take your life and give it to him again. The truth is we all need God's wisdom. We go through both good and hard things in this life, making 35 thousand decisions a day that impact our lives as well as the lives of those around us and the world that we live in. But we're not alone in this. God promises that he's present here with us. And when we learn to recognize his presence in every moment, offering every part of our lives to him as a sacrifice, we will gain the wisdom that changes everything. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, and I'm reading this from the message. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Bow with me in prayer. Father, I thank you that yeah, that you're not a faraway God, that you're here, you're active, you're alive, you are present here with us. And God, you know, yeah, you know each one of my brothers and sisters who are here with me this morning. You know where each one of us is at in our understanding of who you are and what it means to give our lives to you and follow you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you um, speak to us in ways that we can understand. And so, God, I pray that you would speak, that as we, um, not just in this moment, but as we go and as we live every part of our lives, that you would be showing us how to give every part over to you. God, you know every decision that each person is facing, you know all of the hard situations we're in. And God, we pray that you would give us wisdom, teach us how to hear your voice, how to recognize you, and how to follow you. So God, I thank you that we aren't alone in this life, but that you're with us. And I pray that you would continue to just teach us how to walk more closely with you and to follow you in all things. Yeah, thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. This is our uh, connection time. This is an opportunity for you to connect with people around you. Uh, It's also an opportunity for you to get uh, kids from the Sunday School program if they're uh, there now. In about five minutes, we're going to come back together for a time of worship and a, and a prayer for the, for the Hebrews as well. So.